My point is seafood is incredibly unsexy and do not propose to your girlfriend while eating a clam. I would literally never. I love clams. As friends. Clams and I are just friends. Okay, let's start this whole thing over. Because this is, I ruined it. Let's start the whole episode over. Okay, no. <laughs> Wait, did you hear her? My name is Eva. Oh my god, my name is Augusta and welcome to the Phenomena Podcast. I just want to say one quick note for the show, for the listeners at home, that every time I say that the podcast is called Phenomena, someone goes, do, 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 do. So I think we should probably put that sound effect somewhere in just to let people know that we're also in on the joke. It was in the first episode. How did I not notice that? Where was it? It wasn't like an actual sound effect. It was you doing it. You're like, yeah, we have that. You've been doing it. <laughs> you did it in both the other episodes. Yeah, babe, like we, we've got it. Yeah, you, you have been doing it. You've been, babe, that's called manifesting. And this week, we have a special episode for you because Eva and I actually got to spend some time together IRL to do research for this. True, which we usually don't get to because this is a bi-coastal production, so. (laughs) (laughs) But I was in New York for reasons not to be disclosed in the podcast. Here, can you beep them out if I list some reasons? Sure. I was there to get get um, see my beep and visit a (laughs) And so we got to do two things together, which I'm very excited to discuss in the podcast. Yes. The first one actually was still virtual, but it was New York themed, which is we got to go to a cemetery talk about Greenwood Cemetery presented by uh, the Morbid Anatomy Museum, who eventually we'll hopefully be able to partner with for this show because those guys are the best. I do love them and I do go to all their weird garage sales and stuff. Um, And the other thing we did is we went on a tour of uh, Ghosts of Greenwich Village, which is pretty much the most popular ghost tour spot in New York City. Um, I would say that in Greenwood Cemetery, pretty much. I did a decent amount of research on like what tours are available. And every ghost tour agency has a Greenwich Village tour. And I will say... I was a little skeptical of how scary a New York ghost tour could be because I don't think of it as a very spooky city. Mm -hmm. It kind of ruled. Like, it was a great tour. No, it was a really good tour. There were definitely multiple stops where the hair raised on the back of my neck. And that was, like, despite drunk people proposing to their girlfriend over oysters, like, six (laughs) feet away. You know? There was, yeah, there was a high proportion of sugar babies out that night. God, I live for them. Cheers, bro. Cheers, bro. So the... Greenwood Cemetery tour was more oriented towards like ideas of death and uh, how the cemetery has changed over the past hundred years or so, a little more than hundred years. And then the Ghost of Greenwich Village was explicitly a walking tour from location to location of, uh, you know, ghost sightings. So first we started in Washington Square Park home to many spooky things such as NYU, NYU Tisch, uh, NYU, NYU Gallatin, NYU Dental, <laughs> NYU, uh, NYU Film Boys, yeah. NYU Party You Get Kicked Out Of because it's in a dorm. NYU Suck! Go home! <laughs> NYU don't even know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, anyway. <laughs> and, anyway, we started there Um And the very, uh, I would say, experienced and talented woman leading the tour explained to us how 
uh, Washington Square Park actually started as a potter's field, which is the place where they put a bunch of bodies and bury them in like a mass grave, essentially. Yes. So we talked about that. Um, and then she talked about suicides at NYU, which we will be returning to, but we're not going to start there. Mm-hmm. We're just going to do a little rundown. And then we went to uh, this very gorgeous church, which she said wasn't haunted, but was beautiful. There were a couple stops on the tour where she just was like, this building, nothing scary about it. Love New York. Yes. The church was like representative of the architecture of the time we were supposed to be like transported to. I And uh But the other stops that were just, like, notable New York places, we'll definitely talk about. (laughs) Because there is an element of celebrity in all New York ghost tours that is, I think, pretty distinctive. I totally agree. So we went to Mark Twain's house, which is funny because we, we, we roll up on this apartment, which looks just like every other gorgeous, expensive apartment on the street. And me and Eva are standing there. It's a beautiful summer evening. And this woman is like... Some dog is pissing all over his Oh, yeah. A woman brought a dog on the tour and the dog peed and she just stood in his pee, which (laughs) spooky and worth the cost of admission. It was was worth the $25. It was honestly one of the scariest parts. It was genuinely brutal to just have to stand there and not say anything anyway. But we're just standing there and like, you know, we're kind of like doing our like back of the class whispering to each other thing and... The woman is like, this building, you know, someone famous lived here. And then she starts telling a story and Evelyn's in and whispers to me, Mark Twain. And I thought she was kidding. So I turned back and I was like, Alexander Hamilton or like something. Like I said, just like fully not understanding the like superpowers of adult ADHD. It was like (laughs) no ability to comprehend that it actually was Mark Twain's house. And then she's like, Mark Twain. And I like just, I was, I just turned. He was how did you know that? And you were like, I know about, like, this is, I know about this. So anyway, <laughs> egg on my face. <laughs> no, it was so cute. Uh, no, it was so funny. I mean, it's true that, like, um, people won't go to the movies with me and won't watch TV with me because all I do is talk the whole time. Like, I can't not talk. So 90% of the stuff that comes out of my mouth, like, you should just ignore. Like, doesn't make any sense and is a but, joke. like, is so and funny. And then 10% of the time, it's, like, <laughs> actually legitimate information. So funny, though. Well, I redeemed myself at the next stop. Um, so we, the next oh, stop yeah. you <laughs> was uh, the house of Emily Lazarus, who wrote the poem um, that is on the Statue of Liberty that's, like, give us your, what is it? It's, like, give us your wounded, your tragic, money, your sexy. Give us your money. Put your hands up. <laughs> Anyway, she's a famous poet from like a a rich New York, you know, family. Then we went to the former or current New York Public Library, former Firewatch Tower Church slash uh, child suicide spot. Um, We'll cover why all these places are haunted later, but this was definitely for me a very spooky stop plus a very beautiful building which really was part of the magic of this tour i mean i feel like part of what is so not to like diverge immediately but i feel like part of what is so great about a ghost tour is that it does give you this kind of this is going to be one of the themes of the episode but it kind of gives you this like alternate way of looking at the history of a place that's like not necessarily in like entirely architectural or entirely like about like oh there was a great battle here like it's it's very personal and it's very domestic in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and very family oriented. Yeah. 
And this was definitely one of those I also spots. think it speaks to like the the definition of aesthetics that you gave us last episode about like the quality of feeling of exactly. a thing. Exactly. Like it's this combination of many effects. I would say that was the first stop, like one of two that made the hair rise in the yeah. back of my neck. That one was It spooky. was scary. Really spooky. Then we went to the Howdy Doody Pirate Den. <laughs> Which was the former mayor of New York, uh, the mayor during Prohibition, whose name I don't remember, ran a speakeasy called the Pirate's Den. And then also the maker of the puppet, Howdy Doody, lived there later in time. (laughs) And made the puppet there. And it was on Gay Street. Yeah. Which I didn't realize existed. I thought it was a nickname. It was beautiful. Full of rats. Full of rats. Full of rats, bro. To the gills. To the gills, darling. Then we went around the corner to a former dispensary, which was not haunted, but was interesting. Dispensary like pharmacy, not dispensary like weed. Dude, the dispensary is my pharmacy. It's medicine, bro. It comes from the earth. That was kind of the line I was thinking along when she was like, we're going to go around the corner to a dispensary. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize this was a Seattle ghost tour. <laughs> I mean, they do dispense. I mean, yeah, they dispense pills, I guess. Yeah, it was at Girl and Poe's dispensary also, which so, you know, they were busy. <laughs> <laughs> I need my medicine, please. I have to wait. In the past, Edgar Allan Poe went to a dispensary for his laudanum. I go to a dispensary for that loud. <laughs> okay, continue. Then we went to the Marie Crisis Cafe, which was super interesting. Yes. Um, then yes. we went to Sarah Jessica Parker's house. Not haunted. Another, yeah, another non-haunted uh, tour stop. Then we walked by this really crazy building. It was building 86 on the mm-hmm. street that used to be... What did they say? They said it was a stop where underground slave, not underground, a stop where runaway slaves would like stay while they were waiting for the coast to be clear yeah. so they could escape. And then also later it was owned by this couple who turned it mm-hmm. into a speakeasy with all these like hidden rooms and doors. And apparently, colloquially, it's where the term to 86 something at a restaurant comes from. But that's not a spooky thing. That's just a fun yeah. little quirk. It's haunting. Um, but there were a ton of ghosts in that one. It, that one was super. That yes. was super haunted. We went to a restaurant called One If By Land, Two If By Sea, which is the former carriage house of Aaron Burr, of Hamilton fame, as our tour guide kept fucking saying. So that's the only thing anybody would know him from. Um, and his daughter Theodosia lived there, and she died there. And apparently, people see her ghost there quite a bit. She died at sea. My bad. It's she okay. died one if by land, two if by sea, but people still see her ghost there because she's back to like visit her dad or whatever, which like. Because they had some was... sort of extracurricular relationship. Yeah, that was kind of glossed, but she alluded to it for sure. Yeah. Uh, then we went to a building that was, it's like this gorgeous, these gorgeous two apartments with a courtyard, but both of the apartments overlooking the courtyard have no windows that face the courtyard. And apparently it was purchased by a dad who had two daughters who hated each other, but loved him. And so he bought each of them and like built each of them, these gorgeous homes that were identical, but didn't face the courtyard because they were next to each other. So they would never have to see each other. And people report seeing ghosts in like ghosts of two women in the courtyard, but they never face each other. And our tour guide was like, which I think they should maybe get over that if they want to enjoy the afterlife a little more. 
know. Our tour guide is a so trip. funny. She shall not she be was... named in case she did said something she's not supposed to say, but she was really funny. She was really cute. And then we went to the apartment of the guy who wrote Sleepy Hollow and is famous for many other things. Yes, and he's name. spooky AF, of course. Yeah, and she was like, nobody's ever in this house. So I just walk right up on the steps and we were like, <laughs> there's a light on inside. And she was like, yeah, but never a light down here. <laughs> yeah, I okay. mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it was interesting to see like some houses we would stand across the street from and then some houses she'd just be like, here you go. Uh, yeah. It's also interesting because all of these places are now owned by fancy people to some degree, which they kind of already were. Like all the people we described were not exactly struggling, but it like, right. I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I'm, yeah. It's not that interesting, but no, it is. I mean like, yeah. Okay. The Washington Irving is the name of the guy who wrote the legend Thank of sleepy you. hollow. Um, and then we went to the one if by land two, if by sea building. And then the last place we went, is a tree where people used to get hung in executions, which was also in Washington Square Park. That was beautiful. It was a beautiful tree and super spooky That tree to was imagine. dope. I tried to take a picture of it, and I didn't realize my flash was on, and I embarrassed myself. <laughs> I'm sure that happens all the time. People take flash photos of it on the tour. I do embarrass myself all the time. Thank you. But, I mean... I think it is interesting how they're all owned by really fancy people now. I mean, part of it is that we're touring one of the most upscale. Well, I mean, you made an interesting observation while we were on the tour, and I would love to talk about it more. Okay. But given our long summary, I think one thing that was really interesting about these all these stops, like, I mean, not so much the Potter's Field, but like Mark Twain's house, Emily Lazarus's house, mm-hmm. the pirate den where Howdy Doody and the mayor of mm-hmm. New York lives. And even the Potter's the... Field, she talked about like famous people that died of cholera or famous people that wrote about cholera. Yeah, all of these places are like intimately connected, usually financially connected to very independently famous people, people yes. who have no you wouldn't think of them as haunting or being haunted. Right. right. Like, you don't think Mark Twain, the ghost. No, it's true. So that was something that we talked about while we were sort of noodling between the stops was like compared, for example, to New Orleans ghost tourism, which we're going to go back to again and again, because I think they sort of not like set the gold standard, but they exemplify the style and the tone compared to Tour, like ghost tourism in New Orleans, the people who are famous that are subjects of the ghost tours might be famous, but they're famous for their association with the supernatural. And that is the first association you have with them when you hear the name, like, you know, Marie Laveau and stuff like that. Um, though they do yeah. always show you the house where they shot some of the scenes from American Horror Story Coven. But that's okay. But even that show is a show that makes New Orleans famous for being haunted. Yes. You know, friends the fucking friends house and sarah jessica parker those are like the least haunted shows of all time i mean right. it's interesting because there even is emma something... lazarus like right she wrote in her diary about the ghost that was in her house but the thing she's famous for is not haunted at all no not at all in fact it's this incredibly hopeful american spirit renewal like 
or even the like there is there's a way that ghost tours let you access a deep history of a place that is not the history that the place is most famous more but is connected mm-hmm. to it right so like yes. we talk in anthropology and in other social sciences i'm sure about alternate histories or like accessing histories from points of view that are not traditionally represented by you know it's like that whole like the historian the victors write the history kind of a thing yeah. but it's it's a little deeper than that like okay, you want to study the Middle Ages? Well, study it from the point of view of the peasant. That gives you as much information as the point of view of the kings. Like, there is a way that ghost tours give you the history of the wives, the daughters, the children, the abused, those who those who didn't survive, those who weren't exceptional, those who were exceptional from how much they suffered. And that's part of the draw of ghost tours. And that's part of the draw of, you know, I think death lore, that's part of mm-hmm. how we think about it. But what's interesting about this is that even with that in New York, these people are still death proof celebrities. You can't even yeah. get past that in New York because that's so much of what New York is, is it's this place you come to be forever young and beautiful. I mean, not mm-hmm. exactly. Obviously, New York has an intellectual history and a financial whatever, but I just mean like. But even the financial people, like they still, you know, whatever. They insist on being young and beautiful forever. Yeah. I mean, it's such a it's such a fame clout game and that's yeah. so evident in the way that they do this tour. I mean, it's like I mean, which is totally like I think good because it really sells you on the history of the city as much as it yeah. sells you on the tour, but it is Absolutely. ghost tourism. Like it's not all people who live in New York doing this. You have to assume that you have to give people some history and context for where they are. Yeah. I just thought it was fascinating. I mean, this, this so much of it was revolutionary war history and like some civil war history yes. and then prohibition history, which are three, three points in American history where you can canonize New York's role mm-hmm. in a really interesting mm-hmm. way. And uh, Revolutionary War history in particular is huge in American ghost everything, whether it's tourism or personal stories, this, that, or the other thing. Um, I mean, that was a huge focus of what I discovered researching ghost stories in Massachusetts and uh, Southern New England was so much of it has to do with that particular colonial up to revolutionary time in a way it hangs on to like the last scraps of like historical relevance for Southern New England. But in New York, there is more accessible things throughout time. I mean, you couldn't go on a ghost. You could not go on a ghost tour in Massachusetts and go by Sarah Jessica Parker's house. It would not be that. <laughs> but what's, but, I mean, you can imagine an alternate tour. So like in the first stop, I don't know how you mm-hmm. felt about this. I don't know what your emotional reaction was on the level of affect mm-hmm. or aesthetics. But on the first stop, we're in this potter's mm-hmm. field. And she talks about during the cholera epidemic, there's this period of like 30 years where there was no cure for cholera. And so if you got it, yeah, you absolutely. recovered or you died. And mm-hmm. this is where they buried the bodies from cholera was in this potter's field. And then New York decided to turn it into a municipal park, which we will mm-hmm. talk about parks because that's related to the cemetery tour. And that's a huge part of the Greenwood history is turning death into an accessible park situation. But they decided to turn it into a park and they didn't properly mm-hmm. excavate all the bodies. And so they just cover it up. People see ghosts of people who died mm-hmm. of cholera there. And then 
she goes into this whole thing about how Mm -hmm. in some buildings near there, NYU students have committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a connection to all the death in this park and the suicide of NYU Mm -hmm. students, which I thought was bizarre, like a bizarre way to start the tour and not a theme ever returned to of people in the exact present day suffering because of this historical memory that was completely abandoned for the rest of the tour. And I was like, yeah, I was worried. That's what the whole tour would be because like, I don't, I don't want a suicide tour of New York. You know what I mean? But you can imagine an alternate ghost tour where it's just that it's like, this is where this is a finite, this is a spot where like guys in the 08 crash jumped when they found out about all the bad invest, like, that is an alternate history of New York you could do on a ghost tour, but no one's going to do that because that's not a selling point. No, no, it's true. I mean, there were some references to like people in the present uh, or in more recent past seeing things or feeling things that felt like ghosts, but that was really the only time she talked about people in the last 10 years suffering severely because of maybe because of the presence of ghosts or spirits. Well, what I thought also was interesting, like, so in the Greenwood Cemetery talk, they talked about how in Europe and in European burial grounds and like churchyards, especially in, I think she was talking about in uh, like Dublin, Mm -hmm. you get all these cemeteries where the whole idea is like memento mori, remember that you're going to die death is inevitable, live your life in a way that you think will be, um, you know, where you could die at any time, like keep death on the horizon, like all these photos of graves where they just have these words in them that are like, blah, blah, you're going to die. Like, I mean, obviously in like Latin or whatever. Yeah, that classic poem that's like, as you are now, so was I, uh, and as I am now, you will to die or whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's famous. Totally. If you're hearing this podcast, you know that poem. (laughs) (laughs) And that the Greenwood Cemetery was built as this was before there were there was such a thing as municipal parks in new york so they built this giant cemetery with this beautiful Mm -hmm. like decadent gothic architecture and all these crazy graves and they built it in Mm -hmm. such a way that you could take tours through it and look at these graves on carriages and the tours would pass by these like cemetery you know gravestones headstones tombs that said like when i die i'm gonna go join my parents death is an entry point Mm -hmm. into the afterlife this more victorian kind of american view of it that was like death is a portal to a friendly place and don't worry about it and don't think about it and this is a beautiful place to rest forever you don't need to be attached to a church your soul's going to be safe anyway you don't need that kind of protection and it became the greenwood cemetery became this huge tourist attraction where people came to just kick it with graves which was a new thing in new york i mean this is pre-central park pick out a grave plot Right. That at the Which end of I the tour, they would try and sell you on a grave plot. They, you'd like take your carriage through and they'd be like, so you, you want to see anything you like? And something that's important to note about that is at the time, to your point of churchyards, um, bodies were interred and then they were ex- like dug back up and moved later just out into a field somewhere. The idea was that you had to be buried near the church Um, to have a relationship with the patron saint of the church or the idol in the church, the altar in the church. And that was part of your gateway into the afterlife. And then after that, your body could be moved. But this was um, sort of the start of the beginning of keeping cemeteries for a long time. 
in New York at least. Exactly. And I th- and I mean what what stood out to me in terms of that in relationship to the ghost tour that we took is I was thinking about how in in that instance death becomes this kind of beautiful, peaceful, passive thing that is celebrated in which when you die you pass into a better place a more peaceful place like oh don't worry she's in a better place now Mm -hmm. the afterlife is this positive necessary thing in which you're reunited with those who have died and i think that's sort of the opposite of the ghost tour that we do now which is Mm -hmm. that death is a violent ripping if you're suffering when you die it's not like it's your fault. It's not like the memento mori thing of like, you should have lived as though you were dying. And it's not this beautiful idea of being reunited with your loved ones, but it's this traumatic idea that when you die, you're ripped in some way or, or fractured or severed from your ability to enter the afterlife and you you stay or you maintain a relationship with this place and you revisit it over and over again. And I thought that it's these two contrasting modes this very familiar loving one of death tourism and this extremely unfamiliar spooky one and one the familiar one is outdoors and in the in public space and the spooky one is always like domestic like it's always like a mother and her daughter or like they're in the home they're getting groceries they look up and they see the face of a scary man yes absolutely yeah i think the peaceful or not peaceful resting place is huge in ghosts the idea that you don't have a place where you can peacefully rest uh even that is enough for someone to be a ghost even if their life was chill shit which they're usually not in ghost stories they didn't (laughs) have a chill ass life but even if they didn't have a difficult life i mean even nobility and etc if you don't have a peaceful resting place it's almost two sides of the same coin. Like to sell the peaceful resting place, you have to sell that there's an option that you wouldn't be peaceful. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. Well, and it was so funny. She said on the tour, guess how much this building sold for. And we all guessed and she gave some astronomical number. I mean, like multiple billions. Yeah. Unimaginable amount of money. And she said, the only thing New Yorkers like more than expensive real estate is expensive haunted real estate. That actually kind of threw me. I wasn't expecting that. That I also was something wasn't. I I thought that was going to be another difference between there and other places because I think you can really get a good you get a sense for like the spiritual norm or the spiritual standard of a place right. based on whether haunted places sell for more or less Mm -hmm. and I think the reason that I the thing I didn't calculate about New York is the fact that people who aren't from New York buy so much real estate in New York Mm -hmm. so in my mind I was like somewhere that's violent or like fucked up or in some other way creepy is not as good money in new york um is not as good money in new york (laughs) is not uh is not marketed as having a higher value the way that it might be in somewhere like new orleans where really haunted real estate sells 
also to out-of-towners for zillions of dollars. And then once I made the connection that probably the person who bought that house wasn't from New York, like they're not a local, quote unquote, whatever that means in New York, like, you know what I mean? Like my roommate's family would never spend more on a haunted house here in New York. Because if you're someone who's going to be living in that house the very the very nature of these stories. So here's one of the stories from Emma Lazarus's house. Emma Lazarus got mm. Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a terrible form of lung cancer. And she coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed up blood in this really deeply upsetting, violent way to die. And she died of it. And she died yes. of it in the home. She basically choked to death in her own blood. And then you know, fucking a hundred years later or whatever, a a rich family buys the home, but it's subdivided into apartments. And so someone is living on the bottom floor apartment. And this woman keeps waking up in the night, hearing this rattling sound, like rattle, rattle, rattle. And she calls the super or the owner of the apartment or whatever. And she's like, what is this sound? Like, I, it's totally freaking me out. And he's like, well, I live here too. I live one floor above you and I don't hear it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So she's like, okay. So, it's it keeps happening it keeps happening and one night she wakes up and she realizes the rattling sound is her coughing she's been waking herself up with coughing but she doesn't cough during the day it's not usually a problem it's this thing that's happening to her at night in bed and she wakes up and as she realizes this she starts coughing up blood and she's coughing so bad she wakes her husband up he calls the emergency medical services and they come and They pick her up and they carry her out on a stretcher. And as soon as they pass through the door, all her symptoms vanish. There's nothing wrong with her. She's not coughing. There's nothing wrong with her lungs, no blood. And so what she thinks happens is Emma Lazarus's ghost is reliving through her body her last moments in this apartment, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're a New Yorker and you're going to be living in that apartment, you don't want someone to possess your body and cough up blood. No, you would never want that. Why would you pay more for that experience? And as a New Yorker, I, New Yorkers do not come for me for this. I know there's a deep spirituality in the Caribbean community and many other sort of like non-white and diaspora communities in New York. But as a New Yorker, unlike a New Orleanian, you are not prepared to deal with spirits. So you would not buy a house that has spirits with the idea that you could deal with it um whether no. that's dealing with the symptoms or what or like spiritually you couldn't you couldn't affect a you can't ritual exercise dispel it. the bat exactly what are you gonna do right? have a bar mitzvah that's another difference oh! you're gonna do help the ghost to come of age like i just don't <laughs> i don't know if i can leave that in okay fine you can cut it but I, i'm jewish i can say it um it's a secular town I mean, it's not yes. a town full of secular people, but it's not its not a New Orleans. It's not it's a town a with a deep religious town. history. So, you yes, know, you're not going to buy good. it with the intention of exercising a ghost. You're not going to buy it thinking, I got my priest on speed dial. Let me just beep, beep, boop, right. get my man in here. Yeah, you're not saging your apartment. No, you're renovating it. <laughs> you're renovating it. Totally. Well, so she said – no, sorry. Go ahead. No. So anyway, that's all. I was just thrown by the idea that someone would – buy that house and then I realized oh no you bought it so that you could tell people you have it and so that if you want you could throw parties in it and be like 
I can it, throw one Halloween party a year in my $45 billion house. Like, because if you're an, if you're somebody who's living in New York very part-time, you're just keeping a home there, what you're doing is essentially an extension of these ghost tours, this ghost tourism. Yes. You're trying to tourism people into your life. That's what it is to be. Yes. And that's actually the case for a lot of these families. Like Emma Lazarus comes from a – she was a socialite. Like a lot of yes. these people, it was like they would throw big parties in the house. That was like a feature of the stories. And I think that part of why that's yes. included in the tour is because you can imagine people doing that today. That's why these ghosts can continue. Like obviously the restaurant yeah. where Theodosia shows up, there's nothing they can do about it. But yeah. like if you have bought an apartment where there's the ghost of a dead girl who hates her sister. Yeah. What are you going to do about that? You're going right. to exercise the beautiful courtyard where you've spent a lot of money planting fucking Japanese maples or whatever? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it was no, basically totally. a real estate tour, which is tight, but it's so New York. No, it totally – it's so <laughs> New York. New York City. It was so funny. Uh, I mean, the whole yeah. time I was – doing that incredibly ghoulish thing where I just Google the cost of every single house we were passing by. Yeah, of course. Of course. Absurd numbers. Absurd amounts. It's also interesting. I think this is the last thing I'll say. This is the last thing you'll say. This is the last thing I'll say ever. Quote me. (laughs) There's not... There wasn't a unifying theme to the cause or form of death. Like... Mm, that's interesting. I took a New Orleans ghost tour and there was a distinct relationship between people doing things that were unchristian or anti-God or like deeply, deeply harmful and their yeah. and the ghosts of their victims yes. showing up. Like nuns killing babies, slaves being tortured, and then a lot of slavery torture comes up on the which I think also speaks to the quote-unquote character like the cultural and tourism character of a city new york absolutely had horrors and absolutely had slavery and absolutely had all those things but they're not as ready to put that out as the face of their city no you have to do the opposite right new orleans is like slightly ready to admit that that's the basis of the city slightly well, I don't want to say that they're you have doing to talk good. about it, regardless of how yes. you frame it, whether you frame it in an accurate or positive way. You have yeah. to acknowledge that as part of New Orleans history. I think New Yorkers and New York history, you're very un- that's why you return to the revolutionary era because it's yes. this moment of great triumph for the city. Yes. And then there's a couple, there's a couple talks, there's a couple 9 11 mentions sprinkled in there. You know, yeah. it's like firefighters who died in 9 11, this great glory of the city, their ghosts come back. They don't, you know, Prohibition era, swingers, flappers, this like the roaring 20s, party town. Yeah. That gets thrown in. Multiple of these places have slave history and it was mentioned on the tour, but they don't talk about that. There's no, you know. They don't talk about it. They don't get into it, what that could possibly mean for the hauntings. I think that part of it is that New York is unable to admit that slavery happened to it as well because New York is so busy being a white city. So... New York did slavery, even though also New York slavery happened to New York because Mm. slavery happened to the black people in New York. And 
But because New York has such a white, secular, quote unquote, white and secular identity, New York still thinks of itself as having done slavery. And so they're not ready to admit it. Whereas I think the positionality that gives New Orleans more of an ability to be uh, self-reflective is because they are so massively identified with the Black American experience. I say talking out of my ass as a white person, but like, so they're more ready to say that slavery happened to New Orleans because it was, because they are more ready to admit black people as part of the character of the city than New York is. But that's why- Obviously that's so truly part of the character of New York, but New York as a commercial- center as a financial capital i mean that's why financial capital thank you that's why you can identify that's what i was saying about the wrongs and the harms done that's why you can have these places in new orleans ghost tours where the bad thing that happened was slaves were tortured and the slaves came back and haunted these evil people and their ghosts still suffer for it today because the essential character there is the city taking revenge members of the city taking revenge on those who injured them you can't go Mm -hmm. through new york and say this house was built with money made in sugar plantations this money mm-hmm. was made in cotton built by slaves too like. right that's not what they're going to say on the tour instead they take us to a building where oh this was a stop on you know the underground railroad oh this is a stop where mm-hmm. runaway slaves were taken and then a hundred years later randomly it was a speakeasy like they don't get into what that might mean they're trying to yeah. establish the essential character of these places is good and mm-hmm. you know these like generational family wealth like it's like the lazarus family they don't talk about how the Lazarus family made their money, which mm-hmm. was Almost certainly had to be. No, she uh, said they're sugar. They're, they made their family in oh sugar. Oh my god, made their she money in sugar. <laughs> but instead, yeah, so we get. But instead, we get Emma Lazarus, who died of As lung cancer. You know, As she's like this martyr. Which obviously, mm-hmm. I'm sure she wasn't the one running the show. Like, I'm not saying like whatever, cancel Emma Lazarus. I'm just saying like, in terms <laughs> I'm of I'm climbing the Statue of Liberty to fucking chisel off that fucking. <laughs> But as poem. But like, for real, like, it's it's a way of understanding historical memory in which the victims are also the heroes are also people who exemplify the character of the place. And that's 9-11, baby. Exactly. There's, that's fucking 9-11. Because the only thing that New York has that happened to it was 9-11. That's not really true. But in the financial, capital, commercial character of New York City. That's like the firefighters who died in 9-11 heroes. Which like, like obviously can't come for the firefighters right. who died in 9-11. Which is why they get can't. talked about on the tour. And like obviously it is yeah. tragic and they were heroes, but you also I'm not then, saying I'm gonna come for them. I'm no, of course. But I'm also saying like in along that same vein, you wouldn't there is not that's what I was saying, trying to say about suicide up top. I thought maybe this was gonna okay. be a suicide tour when she introduced with that. And mm-hmm. It wasn't, thank God, because that's incredibly grim in a way that like yeah, even goes leave. beyond the like grimness of a ghost tour, which obviously yeah. is morbid and sick in its own ways. I say doing a podcast about it, but I mean like to to do it like a suicide tour would be incredibly dark in a way mm-hmm. that would make me uncomfortable personally. But when I was think when I was still in that mindset of like, oh my God, is this going to be a tour of suicides? It's like you're not going to go around and say like, yeah, this uh, like I said up top, this is not going to be where you say. This is where people who made bad investments jumped in mm-hmm. 08, mm-hmm. even though that also is a central character of New York City as a financial mm-hmm. capital. But you're not going to say that. Right. You're not going to say this is a building it's where not, like yeah. 
finance, you know, financiers. We're not going to the fucking Jeffrey Epstein house. And in fact, we did not go to the Jeffrey Epstein house. In terms of the safe and the familiar, I think that it's not a coincidence that the majority of the places we stopped on the tour were homes and churches. I do not think that's a coincidence mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, you know, there are so many deaths and so many hauntings and ghost sightings. You could do this pretty much however you wanted. This tour is written a specific way with a specific intention, right? And the mm-hmm. fact that the majority of these places are houses is because I think that for something to be really haunting, there has to be this sense that the ghosts take the most familiar place like the bed where you're sleeping Mm -hmm. or the kitchen where you wash your dishes and you do your groceries and this eerie or spooky unexpected element comes in right there's someone Mm -hmm. there who you didn't let into your home and that person in fact cannot be made to leave the home the place Mm -hmm. that you thought was yours that was the most familiar that was the most close to home that is the most treasured this safe domestic interior space has become unfamiliar and that's common in horror movies too right like why don't the whole the thing people always say like why don't you move just move out of the house because it's Mm -hmm. your home it's more than just a home it's where i live Uh, yeah and this these ghosts and these hauntings make that so unfamiliar and then we as viewers or as like tourists get to enter into this familiar space temporarily and see it made unfamiliar and then we get to retreat from it and think oh thank god that's not me and then we get to go home and Mm -hmm. think but what if it is me and then we're like oh no it's not my house isn't haunted i don't live Mm -hmm. in a haunted house i would know if i lived in a haunted house wouldn't i i think you're meant to take a little bit of that away from ghost tours especially ones that focus on the home absolutely i would also say this tour had a relatively low number of spooky institutional references yes um there was a brief reference to the prison where everybody died of cholera that was nearby that's who was buried in potter's field and one of the one of the sites was a place where women who were arrested for solicitation or prostitution were like held overnight basically um before they were released and probably brutally tortured raped and murdered uh but that's relatively low numbers i think i think you're right that like homes and churches were really the focus of this tour yeah and even in those places like the women's prison it was just to categorize the location of the place the ghost story was about a a woman walking with her daughter and she her daughter keeps waving at someone The woman can't see the person she's waving at. She tells her daughter to stop waving. The girl's like, but it's the woman in blue. She's my friend. The woman's Mm -hmm. like, you're crazy. Stop waving at her. Which, why would you tell your kid that? Just let them have an imaginary friend, but whatever. I know. She tells her to stop waving. And then one day the woman's walking alone. Her daughter won't walk with her because she's so mad at her that she made her stop seeing her imaginary friend. The woman looks up. She sees a woman in blue. She's so relieved that her daughter's not crazy that she waves at her. The woman waves back and then jumps and hits Mm -hmm. the ground and the woman walking is horrified and runs over to investigate and it's her daughter who -hmm. jumped which is the most making the familiar unfamiliar that you can possibly imagine this Mm -hmm. figure who is this terrible messenger of death is the exact person you're trying to protect right Mm -hmm. it's like the place you most want to be sacred and free of hauntings your home your child's like your family is the thing that turns on you in the end 
is the thing that becomes unfamiliar and scary. Yeah. I mean, that and the Emma Lazarus story are in the most literal sense of the word nightmarish. Like it's almost a dreamlike experience of shifting between identities and physical bodies. Mm -hmm. That one really scared me. That one was genuinely scary. That one was so scary. That one was fucking bone chilling. The other nice thing about a New York City ghost tour is that people will just stop and walk. We will just start walking with you and listening. Just like random people on the street. Like while that one was being told, some guy in a suit was just standing there. And when she got to the part about the woman jumping, he just shook his head and was like, damn, and walked away. (laughs) I know. And then another time when we were standing outside, uh, when we were outside Marie's Crisis Cafe, um, she was telling us about like the piano player that kept seeing the orbs and stuff. And uh, the guy was like, what's this tour you're on? Like some, (laughs) some stranger was like, what's this tour you're on? It's like, Thomas Paine related locations <laughs> in New York City. Um, yeah, pe- there's a lot of people, well, drunk people walking by being like, what is this? What are you guys doing? Well, it looks fun. <laughs> Which honestly was like the first time that a drunk person has interacted with me since quarantine began. So that was kind of funny. It was re- it was refreshing. I haven't like gone out. Okay, closing thoughts. Yeah. You want to talk about cash? Well, I want to just talk about how ghost tours in general sort of um and also ghosts have this mechanism of like making something that happened and thus was impermanent like in a moment in time making it sort of permanently part of the character of a place Mm -hmm. um and of the world in general we've talked a lot about the character of the city And I think those are good places to look to see the stories that New York tells about itself. And ghosts are a really good way to make the past permanently part of the character of a place. I agree. And I think what's nice about it is that, I don't know if you can say that it's permanently the part of the character of a place, but I think that it's like in this moment, what part of the history do we need? That's interesting. Like what what kind of new york do we now need to understand mm-hmm. for what mm-hmm. we're experiencing which i think is why yeah, you get a definitely. combination of like nyu 911 prohibition and cholera and in fact yeah to take a tour where they talk so much about cholera during uh another pandemic mhm I think is not something that a lot of people would want to do. I think that we were being very safe about the tour, but I also understand why that, like, you know, why do we need to tap into that history right now? Kind of yeah. A thing. Yeah. I guess what I mean by making it permanent is making it continuous. Like mm, it's an event mm-hmm. that it's something that happened period bracketed, beginning bracketed. end. if you believe in linear time, and how to make that continue to be not only relevant, but happening, mm, which I think mm-hmm. we're saying Absolutely. the same thing from two different sides. Like the cholera is happening in that the ghosts of cholera are still here. Right. So and and Emma Lazarus's death, Emma Lazarus is happening still in New York, which again, Emma Laz- her poem that's on the Statue of Liberty very relevant in the political moment never hasn't been but come on let's be real very relevant in the political moment emma lazarus is not in the past she isn't happened she's continuing 
she is happening with the idea that her ghost continues to relive her life uh, in her house. Right, which is like a very literal way of understanding or explaining how history extends into the present. Like how history, mm-hmm. our understanding of mm-hmm. history is a way of characterizing what we in the present know as the past, but also how it touches us, mm-hmm. right? Like all of these ghosts are ghosts because as you say, they continue to act out what it was they did in what they did in life, in death, and now in our mm-hmm. current lives. But there has to be this way in which those things still affect us and we still understand them. Right? Like, And then how do we make cold, hard cash off of that? Right. I mean, exactly. Charge money to explain people history. Yeah. Charge, charge New Yorkers money to do what they do anyway, which is just fucking walk around. <laughs> it's brilliant to give people an understanding of the way that their town is good and historicized as just a way to make money and scare people. It's such a brilliant scheme. I really love it. Yeah, it's fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of the Phenomena podcast. My name is Eva. I'm Augusta. And I hope you have a lovely haunted weekend. I don't know. You know what? It's canceled. I'm canceling that. I have food. But, okay, brief interlude about Domino's. So, I've been learning from my very cheap sister. Um, And so now I'm really starting to back to the idea of never paying for pizza toppings that you have at home. So what I did was I sauteed